Hey, Invite the Neighbors DIY podcast is sponsored by Two Foot Parade Records. Uh, Two Foot Parade Records is based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. For those of you not in Michigan, Kalamazoo is a real place. Um, I promise. It's on the west side. Um, They have a new release on March 5th, um, which is a re-release of Closet Goth's album called Friendship Village. And it's a tape that comes with a digital zine, so check that the fuck out. Um, And uh, Gabe, let me know if you don't want me to say fuck during the ads. Uh, (laughs) But anyways, they are a really cool um, record label. They're all about like kind of giving the power to the artists. Um, so, I mean, that's honestly great and it lends itself to DIY bands. So if you want to check them out, they, they take submissions on their website, twofootparade.com. Um, and you can find all their stuff there. They have, uh, Ness Lake recently put out a tape on the label and uh, worry club also put out a tape recently on their record label. So check out twofootparade.com. Also check out almost made the mixtapes latest single 23 and disappointed off of their upcoming EP. Here's to getting old dropping this Friday, April 23rd. 23 and Disappointed is a dive into the dissatisfaction of adult life and all the frustrations and isolation that come along with it. Uh, the single and lyric video come out this Friday wherever you get your music, and you can find them on social media at AMTM Band. So this episode is with Mark McMillan of The Story Changes and Hawthorne Heights, and it was a lot of fun, dude. It was really interesting to talk to a guy who's been in a band that, like, I was, like, using a dial-up internet connection to listen to singles from. So that's pretty insane um it's one of those brag worthy episodes where i can tell my high school friends hey i interviewed some from Hawthorne Heights but we actually talked a lot about the story changes as well and kind of the origin of that band and what it's like to play in both of those bands for mark and being the head songwriter of the story changes and also writing in Hawthorne Heights and things like that honestly i'm just gonna let you guys get into the episode because there's a lot of good stuff here and i think you guys are gonna enjoy it so thank you for listening don't feel special because that's every episode happens with tech starts with technical difficulties we didn't we didn't prepare all of them just for you (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it it's all good yeah usually usually that's my role in these things is the technical difficulty so (laughs) you just took all the pressure (laughs) off out of the gate (laughs) yeah dude well yesterday uh i i interviewed uh leonor who's a saxophonist for five iron frenzy and she she was uh like straight up i was afraid that it was just gonna go really poorly at first because before we even started talking like she was messaging me in discord she couldn't figure out how to get on the uh even in the voice channel and like i was having a i was having a hell of a time just even explaining it (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah i've heard you try to explain stuff before it uh it's not great i felt like i was trying to explain a drum part to someone and i don't play drums i'm gonna go sit over there so our mics don't bleed into (laughs) each other yeah you're good but like i'm a guitar player and like i I suck at drums and like if trying to explain like a drum part that like to a drummer like hey play it like this i just use like a bunch of noises and like flail my arms around Uh, yeah (laughs) class classic beatboxing to try to get your point across yeah no that's 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 pretty much exactly it Um, do people still beatbox oh dude every time every time i'm showing our drummer an idea i totally just just get in there and oh nice Wait, is, is this Justin Timberlake or, or Mark McMillan? I can't tell. <laughs> I don't know anymore. It's been it's been too long. Quarantine, too long. I know, man. I hear you. But hey, I, a lot of times guests that come on the show that are it's set up through their publicist, they have no idea what to expect. And so uh, hopefully, you know, 
they probably didn't tell you, but this is just very conversational. This isn't like, I mean, you've been in different bands. Obviously, I'm sure you've been interviewed before. This is not really an interview. Um, we'll ask you questions and things will come up. You know, you'll get to talk about like story changes and there's different things that we want to talk about, but it's very conversational. So if at any point, like you want to ask us questions or if you want to just like go off on a tangent or something like that, like that's yeah. what this is for. Cool. Like that's Sounds our Sounds good. Yep. But, nice. Uh, nice. But yeah. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah. So like the first thing that I actually wanted to talk about is, um, uh, not Hawthorne Heights, which is probably what everybody would expect. But, um, <laughs> I think, first of all, I know that you're on for your band, The Story Changes, and I was looking you up, um, you know, in, to prep for this episode, and the first thing that I kind of came off, I mean, I came across online was this Earthquaker Devices, uh, this page, and I was curious, like, do you have an endorsement through them, and, like, how did, what, how are you guys affiliated? Uh, I've, I've been playing this stuff for a while, I, I just really like it, they've been a cool company to work with, um. And uh, and have kind of hooked us up with stuff for tour when needed or in the studio, whether it's on loan or whatnot. But um, I just really believe in their products. Um, uh, I'm from Ohio, and they're based out of Akron, Ohio, which is like about three oh. hours from where I'm from. But uh, okay, I just I just uh, I think a uh, device, for lack of a better word, they're they're making every pedal they do uh, is just so out there and inspiring um and a lot of times for specifically with like hawthorne heights uh a lot of the stuff isn't something i would use when i just throw it on a distortion channel out um when i do need something to kind of think outside the box uh every every one of their pedals i've ever played make i i end up writing something that i'm really stoked on after i play around with it just because they're just they've just got their own thing going on it's just they're just cool so um yeah that's what I was about to say. I don't think I've ever really heard like an Earthquaker devices pedal that I didn't end up like loving. Like yeah. everything is just so like different like and I especially love like their modulation pedals like they have like sure. this tape echo pedal. I can't exactly remember the name of it, but it's just like it's on my pedal wish list. Is it the one like, that has the, the phone top. on it like the rotary dial phone? Yes. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember Dean's cool. got that one. Oh hell yeah, yeah. Sure. It, there, it's it's all great stuff, and uh, everybody I've met at the company is just uh, the real deal. They're just all like uh, tar geeks that are just nerding out about making cool pedals and like just trying different things with. You know, they just play around building stuff all day long, and uh, and I think they strike gold all the time. I think I think everything they're doing is awesome. So I just I just kind of believe in their company and of uh, um wanted to kind of rep them when I can. And, uh, they've been super cool to me and my bands and, and, uh, supportive as well. Yeah. And I think like the way you were kind of describing it, it reminds, that's how I feel towards old blood, uh, old blood noise endeavors, their pedals. Like whenever you, whenever I play one, like I feel like I'm forced to write around it in, in a good way. Like you put it on and like you said, like you, it kind of inspires you to write something new or like I've written like half the last record I did was putting on a, like the old blood, a uh, black fountain delay and figuring out this, this sound is so crazy. Like how do I tame it into something? <laughs> but once you do, yeah. it's like, 
it's like you they're not casual pedals you don't just throw it on and it kind of like if, if one of them's on it's just like oh wow that's like right to the front you know yeah it's cool i i really love the process of doing a record after like all of the all of the parts are mapped out and you've got you know all your you know for like a rock record all your bass and drums and and rhythm guitars are down even a lot of your leads and kind of textual things and then when you're just kind of going through like adding fun stuff then that's usually when yeah. I'll, that's usually when i'll be like okay it's, i bought this big box of pedals we're going to open this up and just start messing around and uh that usually leads to a lot of inspiring things that that uh i don't necessarily think about when i'm sitting down and working on a song you know but oftentimes a lot of those little noises and textual things are like get me really excited about what we're working on just because it just makes me think outside of my norm yeah yeah no 100 percent um and i'm curious too like if um because you guys when i say you guys i mean the story changes so you guys are just yeah. putting out a, a, a well you put out a single recently um <coughs> i'm assuming it was somewhat recent well your latest single yeah. let's call it that called the, the longest year um is that a single that's that going to be part of like a, a record or was it just like a single to put out a single or um i guess i just want to let you talk about that yeah we were kind of in a weird spot because um Typically, the way it works for me is as our release story music throughout the year, but we don't really do a record or anything until um, I kind of we kind of time them in between other stuff with other bands, so we're kind of uh, have time to promote them, you know. Um, and this year, we had a lot of touring on the plate for our other projects. For you know, uh, Poppy, that's in the story changes, and I are both in Hawthorne Heights, and then. Uh, our bass player in the story changes, Chris, he's in, uh, this, this awesome band called the stereo that I'm a big fan of. And, uh, so this year was supposed to be a lot of touring for our other bands. So we weren't going to do, um, we had, we had stuff on the books for the story changes, but it wasn't supposed to be a busy year or to record. Cause we just released, uh, our last record not too long ago. And obviously, um, when the pandemic happened, we just had a lot more time at home. Uh, and I, I work, I have like a home studio I've built here that I, I tend to write a lot and work on ideas. And then we'll just go track drums. I'm at a bigger studio and then finish everything here at my house. And um, at some point in the middle of the year, I just, uh, after being home, uh, it just hit me and I just started writing a lot of music that, that ended up working well for the story changes and sent it over to the other guys. And, first we were kind of like yeah this is all good let's just hang on to it for a full length and just kind of save it up um and at a certain point after like a year into the pandemic we were like let's just put this out so where right. we're kind of where we're at with it now is we uh have several things recorded already and quite a bit more that we want to finish to add towards a record but with everything going on it just felt kind of like I know it's the first time that we've ever just kind of put something up without really knowing exactly when we're doing the record. Normally everything's really mapped out. You know, you launch the single and then the pre-order starts and then the record drops and you do another single. And uh, this, this was basically like, we've got several songs done and we plan to keep popping them up as singles over the next coming months um, with the full length coming out, hopefully a little later this year, but kind of just uh, seeing where it goes. Kind of just playing it by ear, yeah. Like, yeah, you know. we're, we're just excited about the songs, so we we just didn't want to wait, you know, and uh, yeah, 
you know, as you guys know, with like doing rock stuff, it's like if you do a record, it takes a couple years to get everything together. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like the model of maybe just popping up songs more frequently, not stressing yeah. the like record every two years, you know, just oh, it's I just talk- a lot. We've talked a lot about that to a lot of different people. And like we had uh, Lauren Israel, who's like a record producer, produced Jimmy yeah. back in the day. Yeah. So he was on here and we were talking um, a lot about just like perhaps the new model is a shorter release or like like a, a bunch of singles because of just just the way people consume music like i talk about this all the time with so many different people on this podcast because it just seems to always come up you know like is do people still want to consume an entire record like obviously diehard fans will but if you're trying to go for the average listener or like bring in casuals maybe a better way to do that is with a single or like a short ep over like a full length especially like if you're still trying to like get your name out there as a band and even like even yeah. full length is something i've noticed over like especially the last couple of years or so are just like getting shorter and shorter like more bands yeah. are putting out what they're marketing as like full length records but they end up being like between 30 and 35 minutes long as opposed to back in the day where you'd get more like where like it seemed like the median time for like a full length record was like 45 minutes yeah, seems- and you were you were always getting like twelve songs on a full length, and now it's like people are just it's it's whatever you can get away with to keep it short for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I I do think like there there is a merit to like where we live, like the the world now that we're we're working with is that you know you're as a band you're posting on your social media and you're trying to create content to engage your fans and to get your songs out to them. Um and create that relationship with your fans. And I feel like if you do a record, say every two years, even, um, you know, you're going to launch the record with a single, and then you're going to launch another song within a few weeks. And then the record drops, all the songs are up. And six months later, you've been posting about it. And you know, you might have some press coming in and, and do podcasts and, and do lots of fun things that create content and, uh, engage your fans. But at a certain point, feel like okay the record's been out and people have kind of not that they've moved on but th- there's just nothing new to post about so i yeah. feel like that next year year to year and a half until your next record you're just trying to engage them and you're trying to do content and videos but what if what if you dropped a song every month and a half rather than rather than waiting two years to drop 12 songs what if you dropped a song every month and a half and then after you know like eight months of that you you drop the rest of the record with it and then you're, you know, so what if like, yeah, rather than all these posts trying to create content, what if the content is new songs every time you drop something and like, you know, for that next month and a half, you're talking about that. That kind of reminds me too of a lot of something that, uh, my buddy Logan's band greet death did through death wish where they just, uh, they put out a record last November, but they started it out promotion for it with just putting out a track last March like yeah 10 months before like well not 10 months like somewhere around there before the record even came out they didn't even put it up as like oh we've got this record coming it was just like oh here's the single and then a few months pass people are stoked on it they're like playing shows and then it's like it's oh here's another single and it's like they didn't announce the record until like four months before it came out but it's like 
that's still a big span of time to have people interested in something that you're doing. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like you drop a single without any prior announcement or like any announcement of a record forthcoming that gets people thinking like, Oh, is this from something? Is this going to be standalone? And they're kind of looking forward to the next thing. And it's actually not that crazy of an idea. Um, what you were saying, Mark, because like, I think, I mean, this is going to show what a big nerd I am, but like back in like the early, like in the days of like Charles Dickens, the author, like novels were released like that. So this like releasing yeah. art serialized like that goes all the way back to like the early, early days of like, like novels, like pretty sure like great expectations and things like that were released like chapter by chapter in the newspaper. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's, it's not unheard of <laughs> to do that. And I'm surprised, <laughs> honestly, that bands haven't released an album record. I mean, I mean, a uh, song by song. So I, I think that could be a really interesting way to go about it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, especially you could always leave like the last, you know, three to five songs, drop those when you drop the whole record. So there's still an excitement about like, you know, for fans that are all in that have been checking out every song, there's still excitement of something new drops when the record comes out. And I feel like if you've released several songs before the record comes out, that by the time the record comes out and they're listening to that as like one cohesive thing, they're kind of revisiting, you know, all those songs that have, you know, that aren't new necessarily that have been out for a few months. It's hard. I I feel like obviously hip hop and, and the pop world, pop music have been kind of way more clued into this model than rock, but something about rock still sticks to like the, record format and i think a lot of uh fans and like the rock like it's kind of a it's i think that kind of just like lies with how like a lot of the ethos in rock like planning releases and management it's very like traditional in a way because it's pretty much been done the same exact way since it became a thing except back then it was like it seemed like artists were putting out records like way more frequently than they usually do now Back then, it was like, oh, every six months, like, an artist would put out a record, like, 60s and 70s. Now, it's yeah. just like, oh, every two years, you're putting out a record, and you always have, like, like, and on average, from what I've seen, like, a three-month period before and, like, a three-month period after where you're really hitting it hard with promotion with stuff. But then it's like, what do you do with the other year and a half where it's, like, between that exactly. and record? Uh, you know, you're ideally just, you're writing <laughs> or just chilling, yeah. you know. But, but most people are just doing those posts or like, in case you missed it, did you see that video we put out two months ago and that kind of stuff? And you're just kind of like reposting stuff. And I just well, think it'd be way cooler to just release new music. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it honestly, I think it, it it's probably it depends on like calculating the uh how much work you put into whatever it is that you're releasing. Like, you you might some albums they might take like three years to to put together and then like to only promote it for three months or whatever it would just seem kind of like insane yeah. so like it, it but if you're doing like a song by song thing then yeah like just just put out a new song if you have it you know yeah but yeah i can only imagine like <laughs> you know you like i said you spend all that time on something and then to just like drop it like it totally makes sense and honestly with the internet like even if something doesn't hit in the first three months of that, like your the initial like heavy promotional phase or whatever, like American football didn't get big until like ten years after they released their first 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, LP. So like with the internet, things never die. You know, it, it, it never hurts to kind of just repurpose some some old stuff as as new content and just see if like if there's an appetite for it in the present whereas maybe there wasn't when the when it was initially released you know yeah yeah for sure it's it's weird there's really no way to gauge it there's just kind of like do your thing and whatever works for for us it just seems like a good experiment to try with just releasing some singles spread out but i will say we did our last last the story changes record we got as a record as a whole, um, it did really well for us for this band. So we were excited and releasing a single was cool, but there's that feeling of like, um, when you release a record, there's just so many songs and like just the, the numbers in general, because they're streaming all those songs. And so it was just kind of like we released a single. There definitely was that build up, work on it really hard and they release it. And it's like, once the single's out for a little bit, there is that feeling of like, okay, what next? Because it's just a single rather than like a whole record lead up. Um, right. So that's been a little different. Yeah, um, yeah. But but the, it's just something we're not used to. I, I guess we just need to realize in our minds as a band, like, well, that's what we're trying to do with a single when we have more songs locked and loaded, ready to release. So we just got to figure out the timing and kind of get it all squared yeah, away. I think... I think like with with the time like that everyone's going through right now like the one good thing about that is like no one's really looking at it with with much scrutiny like how you're doing it because yeah. there's no there's it's the wild west out there right now for music you know like no one <laughs> knows what the hell they're doing so and absolutely <laughs> but um it's- I'm curious I wanted to kind of get into like sort of the history of of the story changes and kind of like with two of you guys being in Hawthorne Heights something that interests me is like whenever there's and I've talked about this with other bands um like my friend Kevin has band is in like his band Follyball is the entire band is in another band together except they have a different main songwriter in each one and like yeah they're able to create entirely different like vibes and i'm curious with just with two of you guys being in hawthorne heights like i'm not sure like what your guys's roles are in terms of the songwriting in hawthorne heights but i'm just curious like if there's anything actively that you do to kind of like keep the vibe fresh between the two projects um it it really hasn't been as weird as it probably could be uh mainly i we've been doing the story changes for actually longer than i've been involved with hawthorne i've been in hawthorne 11 years now um, and we've been doing the story changes for a couple years longer. Um, and uh, the, our drummer that's in both the story changes and Hawthorne Heights, he came into Hawthorne. Uh, our original drummer in Hawthorne left, I guess it's been about six years ago now. I feel like okay. it's been six. It might have been 30, but it feels like six. Um, so <laughs> he, he, he he's came in, uh, Poppy came in, know uh a few years ago but later later than me and um and he he was always a great friend of the band and uh before he played drums with us he he would go out and and tour manage for us so when uh when our original drummer kind of had to step away because he's having a kid uh or he wanted to step away just to spend more time with his his kid and uh already had his kid sorry but uh it was kind of a no-brainer just to get poppy to play drums but um so because we already kind of had an established the story changes where we've done it, we've been doing it so long and kind of had our roles with that. It never was a weird thing for, for the way it works for me. Like I, I write 
most everything for the story changes. And then, and I, I'm the lead singer in that band, but in Hawthorne, I play guitar and vocal wise, I, I, I do like some of the screaming and stuff, but I'm not the lead singer. So, um, we all write in Hawthorne Heights, uh, particularly JT, the singer, myself, and Matt, our bass player, all write a lot of the music. And then JT writes like all of the lyrics and, and applies like kind of the melodies that we work on to the vocals. So um, I still write quite a bit with Hawthorne, but it's uh, by the time it becomes a, like if I bring in something to Hawthorne, by the time it becomes a Hawthorne Heights song, everyone's kind of done their thing to it. And JT yeah. in particular has done yeah. stuff to the vocals. So it kind of works out that way and and i always kind of have an idea of something um because i've been doing both for so long like right out of the gate when i'm working on something i, I can just kind of tell what yeah like both bands they're both in the same rock kind of emo punk vein um obviously different so i can kind of tell oh this is going to work really well for this or like like ooh, I, I can hear like jt has a much higher voice than i do like we just have a different register um, yeah. so I can kind of tell like, Ooh, this song, like I want to do it in this key because I can hit the open B string or something. And, and, and like, I can hear exact after being in a band with him so long, I know exactly like what he could do with that. And I'll, if I get excited, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this a Hawthorne Heights song, you know? So there's just different factors, but, um, sometimes it just comes down to like, uh, like I'll write in blocks for whatever project we're like kind of knee deep and working on and um when we write for hawthorne it's kind of because we tour so much well before the world kind of shut down we haven't toured for a year now but typically <laughs> typically we still tour so much so um and we're not really the type of band that writes on the road as much we're all kind of writing here and there but uh it's you know i'm sure you guys know the grind of being on tour it's just hard to find time to sit down and write as a band so um, typically it's, we'll do writing sessions like when we get home and that's kind of, if we're in that mode, then we all just kind of buckle down and, and work on Hawthorne stuff. Um, so you're like naturally just in the mode of, of writing for one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it's something, luckily I've never had to really think about too much. It's just kind of happened, but, um, it's never been weird or anything because we're all like such close friends and stuff. So yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Cause like I'm in two bands and like this is me uh admitting my own ego a little bit but like i think that sometimes because i'm the main songwriter in my own band and then i play lead guitar so a lot like you <laughs> you know i play yeah, lead yeah. guitar in another band it's sometimes i'll write something that's really cool for the band that i just play guitar in and i'll like selfishly i'm like damn it i want that for my band <laughs> but it's like you know it works way better for the for the one that you aren't like the front man in you know so i'm just yeah curious, like, yeah it sounds like you you haven't had that problem like you kind of already answered the question but i just think it's funny like some people might not realize that like i've definitely had that experience but that kind of ties into like a question that i had um you know i because again based on my experience sometimes i have more fun playing in the band that i don't um write all the songs for and I'm just curious, like, how is the experience different? Like, you know, is it more stressful doing stuff for the story changes because it's like knowing that you're 
sort of obviously it's a it's a collaborative effort you know but like writing everything you're sort of the de facto face of it so is it like a different experience writing and playing for that than it is playing in hawthorne heights where maybe you can you're not maybe uh like the mascot for that band if that makes sense yeah it's it's a way different vibe in every way like one one thing that i actually uh it actually warmed up quite a bit today in ohio but it's been cold the last few weeks and uh, yeah, i was just talking Okay, yeah, so you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And especially when we got that big storm uh, a couple weeks back. But um, uh, I was talking about this with my wife the other day. day. Like, uh, I was doing a lot of recording at home for some projects, and my my throat was kind of sore just from screaming and yelling and stuff. And I told her, like, like, story, obviously we haven't toured in the last year, but the story changes used to tour quite a bit more and obviously in, in the last several years it's slowed down because Hawthorne's so busy but I I told her that's the one thing I don't miss about that because singing lead in a band like you you have to take care of your voice like especially touring uh in this time of year at all or, you know I, I I was notoriously always like hoarse and like always had a sore throat and like just battling that like just trying to keep constantly having to drink hot water and hot tea to keep being able to sing in the winter. And like even doing the screaming thing in Hawthorne, like I never have to really worry about that. Even when my throat kind of hurts, like because I'm not singing the entire set, like it never, right? it's like, it takes all that pressure away. So that's from a performance aspect, not having to be like the main vocalist is like so much easier on, on a long tour for me. Um, nah, so I don't envy JT in that regards. Like he always does a very good job of taking care of his voice, but uh, he's he's singing at full tilt for like ninety percent of our set. Um, whereas I'm like just popping in screams here and there. So that's right, way easier. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I remember particularly a lot of the early touring we did for the story changes, like just that. Excuse me, that feeling of uh, constantly feeling like you're just trying to get your throat to heal and. Uh, you know just when you're feeling a little by the time you feel a little bit better you're just wrecking it the next night you know um yeah just never get rest you know and you're not getting enough sleep no matter how hard you try and and just because you're you know the drives just so long and everything but um um but from like uh uh, face of the band aspect you're definitely right it's uh there are things that i i love more about each of them and i i feel like super fortunate and lucky that i get to do both and have a creative outlet in both in different ways and definitely things that I enjoy about story and then there are things that I enjoy more about Hawthorne and but uh it's great to to have that outlet for story changes where like if I get an idea I'm just excited about it and it's it's way uh it's way less pressure there's less eyes on it you know so I don't have to worry about it not that we write with having to be successful in mind and Hawthorne we just kind of write what we want to do and enjoy playing as a band but there's still you know like if i do something with story changes i know that i i don't have to worry about it being as way critiqued i guess um so yeah. it's just a, it's a little easier to like not have to worry about any pressure of like going outside kind of the box a little and doing something different um but uh i don't know and it, it's definitely different uh like in hawthorne like we all do press, but JT has to carry the bulk of the weight and uh, he's definitely the face of the band. And I think he does a great job, but there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of stress and pressure with that, that 
it's nice to um, not have to carry that weight, but I also get to do get to do the fun stuff, the fun parts of it for the story changes, you know, without the extra stress. So, so do you guys? Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious, like with because most of the band people I meet are pretty cool people. You know what I mean? They're not, especially like in the emo sphere, the even like the front men, they're not like egomaniacs for the most part. And so I'm just curious, like with, with JT being like, like you said, the face of the band having to carry the bulk of the press, like, do you guys ever just like kind of give him a little bit of shit? Because he seems like he's probably not like, he probably wouldn't treat the rest of the band like he's a rock star and they're not. So like, I just, I could imagine like, I wonder what the dynamic is like, like just amongst you guys as a band, knowing that he has to do all that. But when you guys are all together, he's probably just one of you guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm almost positive. That's probably yeah. how it is. So I'm just, I'm just curious, like yeah. how you guys relate to each other. Uh, it's, it's usually pretty straightforward. I, I, I can honestly say that everyone in the band, um, pretty egoless and, and, pretty uh just willing to to share and be cool about everything and uh and that being said like we will all divide up the bulk of the weight for like for being like i guess a quote-unquote established band for to somewhat degree like we're still pretty diy and hands-on i mean we're on pure noise records and we love everybody there and we have a great management and team and a booking agent but we we still like um jt and i run our own screen printing shop and we print you know, uh, and Poppy, our drummer has his own screen printing thing too. And, uh, we print all of our own merch and a lot of the designs we do in house. Like I do a lot of the designs and those guys do a lot of the printing. Um, and we, you know, Matt, our bass player handles like quite a bit of our social media and we just, um, we run our own web store and ship ourselves and we just, everybody, no one's too proud. No, nobody in the band is like, gonna say like i'm not gonna help ship that stuff today like everybody just kind of like buckles buckles down and we like get it all done um so I, I just think i think part of it's we all we all grew up in the midwest um none of us came from a lot of money everybody came from like a working class family um yeah. and when we all started playing music we were all playing fw halls and we all came up playing uh this night's a Columbus hall here in Dayton where that's like, we didn't have a, like a good all ages venue. So we just did shows at this hall. And, um, even when Hawthorne blew up, that's where like record release party was for the silence and black and white, you know, at this rental hall. And I just think that the music industry is a weird thing and coming up from that scene and all of us coming up, having to work hard for everything we have, like from, every aspect of all of us like i think that uh kind of shaped everybody's attitude to deal with the business and the egos and everything and uh so luckily i i've i've been fortunate enough to be involved with this and we haven't had any like anybody be weird or there's no egos it's just cool right we all right. get we all get along really well like we get along so well that last year right before the pandemic um uh, the beginning of the year, we had just had our busiest year in quite a while the year before it should have been fried. And we decided to as many times as we've been over to Europe, we've never been with, like any days off to really see a bunch of stuff. And we're really kind of, we're really big on like traveling and seeing stuff yeah. on our days off. So after such a busy time and we went to Europe, it was like, 
week or a little more than a week before the so we started this tour with Silverstein and we just took a band vacation together before and just like hung out and like got <laughs> like an cool. Airbnb in, Airbnb in London and just kind of like went early. So we were like, oh, we're going over early. We're, you know, we're flying over for the shows. Why don't we go a week early and just kind of hang out and uh, hung out as a band. Just had a house there together and just kind of hung out. It's cool. That's sweet. Yeah, I think like that's half the fun of being in a band is just like the camaraderie. You know, it's like your own little team that you're just like hanging out with. And then you, ideally, yeah, you know, you show up to these venues and people know who you are. And then when you're not there, you can just kind of like live your lives and just shoot the shit with each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel fortunate. You know, like some of us are close enough to others, but we're all good friends. And, um, you know, after doing it for so long, like it, it's like it's like anything else. Like you fight with your brothers and sisters. But at the end of the day, like, you, you know, you're you're tight. And uh, uh, it's it's. If anything, it's been weird. Like we've all during the pandemic, we've all enjoyed being home. This is the longest, you know, I've been home. It was like ever, <laughs> and uh, right. um, enjoying that aspect of it, and uh, you know, hanging out with my wife and seeing seeing family and friends. Uh, you know, f- I guess seeing family and friends, not really seeing anybody, but uh, being home, you know, and, and doing the thing, and um. I don't know. Like as much as I enjoy that, it's just weird. At a certain point, it hit us like, "Wow, this is the longest time I haven't been around my bandmates like nonstop right. in a decade." <laughs> yeah. You know. So I'm kind of c- curious too. Like, and I'm talking about touring and stuff. Like, you've been doing it for so long. Um, you know, not in a while, obviously, but like before that, for for so long. Like, what would you? Because like a lot of the people listen to this podcast are like in DIY bands that are getting their start and they're trying to figure out like touring for the first time and doing all this stuff. So like knowing what you know now, like if you could go back and like what advice would you give yourself starting out touring of like in order to avoid some mistakes that you maybe made at first? Yeah, like it's tough because when we really hit it, at first, like, um, my mentality was like, book every show, stay on the road as much as you can. Um, but obviously the internet and social media wasn't nearly what it is now. So I, I feel like you need to, you need to hit the road. You need to be, but you need to be smart about it. And, um, yeah, just really like, sometimes it's, it's not worth playing the show if it's not going to be good and you're going to like lose a bunch of money just to get there you know um you should play a show in that town you just need to like sometimes you got to like be prepared and have it a little more mapped out and we we were always guilty especially with the story changes right out of the gate just like we would just hit the road and try to stay on the road and um do whatever it takes to make it work and uh you know, sometimes I feel like if we, we could have looked, we could have like just stepped back and like got a little more organized with what we were doing or, um, but sometimes when you're on tour so much, it's just hard to like step out of that. Cause you're just in that mode of like, just trying to play as many shows as you can. Um, yeah. Almost like hoping that you don't want to get out of it because then it's like back to real life. And if you're in a band and that's your job, like what is real life? Even if you're not like yeah, on it's the just, road playing shows and stuff. It's just weird. I I think for a young band, I would suggest maybe um starting with like trading trading shows like 
with regional bands on the weekends. So if you, you know, if there's a band doing something similar that you think you guys would go over well with, um, and they're from like an hour away or like an hour to four hours away, like, um, I mean, obviously this is after the world kind of gets back to normal and it's safe, but, um, you know, hit them up and, you know, most bands know this, it sounds no brainer, but I, I have talked to a lot of younger bands where they don't, don't really understand the concept, but if you just, just try to meet other like-minded bands that, that are building, building a crowd in their hometown. And then you work really hard on building a crowd in your hometown. Then you just hit them up and say, Hey, we'll bring you into town on this Friday and you can open for us and play for our fans. And then the next day we're going to go to your town and, and, you know, open for you and play for your fans and, you know, make an agreement, even if it's as simple as like, we'll make sure you guys get taken care of with gas money. If you do the same for us and um, you just do that. And then, you know, then hopefully you make friends with a lot of their fans and some of these people check out your music and like it. So the next time you come back, you maybe play with them or a different band and you keep that same crowd and then you just keep branching out and then you find another band like a little further away and, and you start doing a three day weekend and eventually you've made like a week, a week route of, of shows you can do. And if you start like that and start smart, you're not just like going all in and like losing a bunch of money or like losing band members. Cause it's, it's not as successful as you want out of the gate or something. And, um, and you just get a, get a feel right. for it, you know? Yeah, not only does that help like build a fan base like outside of your city, like in all these different other cities and towns, but you're also building like kind of a community with other musicians and bands too, where it's like, hey, everyone's kind of like helping each other out with like opportunities and shows and stuff like that. And that's kind of like, I think of something that a lot of bands don't really kind of like put priority on, but I feel like it's one of like the most important things that you can do, honestly. I, I've, I feel like this makes me sound old, but I feel like it was all about yeah about the show trade and like network that I'm still friends with this day. We're from like playing those early crappy shows together, but like you're just playing for each other's bands, but you're just stoked because you made a good friend. you know and um and, uh, you know they kind of show you the ropes hands-on of what's working in their t- town and the places you want to play and i think i think it's the scene's gotten very competitive with young bands and yeah, I, that's I, strange to if, me yeah if it's if they competed less and maybe worked on helping each other then they would all get a lot further or at least build something in their scene more, you know, build a bigger scene yeah. for everyone. So I was just talk. We talk about this a lot, like Benny and I, and some other like local Michigan b- band people, we all have like a group chat. And like, one of the things that comes up a lot is like how clicky it can be. And, you know, yeah. like with, with bands that are starting to get some success and not every band that we know is like this, but there are definitely some bands that like, they like hoard their success. And like, it's, it's very, it's like they're being they're very like choosy about who they're willing to like give a shout out to or like help out it just seems to be that way yeah it doesn't make any sense because of exactly what you're saying like the more bands in a in a particular scene that can quote unquote like make it or like you know gain recognition like the better that whole scene is like the better the whole 
regional community is and the more likely you are to get bigger bands to want to come play at like these diy shows and things like that and then yeah. that eventually that turns into something even you know even bigger so like it and that's also something i've noticed too and it's just like it's like you brought up the other day when we did the hosts only episode where it was like hey there's not a finite um it's like all these bands are like competing for like it's like as if there's the like a spot certain, where they're gonna make it big and it's like yeah. there's not a finite amount of seats like at the table for like success yeah. or like being known because it's like no matter what there's never not going to be a demand for more music yeah and if you're good like it's not like you're gonna put out an awesome record and be like oh well i already heard an awesome record this week so <laughs> you know no one says yeah that ever yeah like ever and like especially in labels too labels just want to keep making money off of you like and a lot of labels not every labels like that but like you know if you're really good someone out there is gonna want to attach themselves to you like there's so many labels like it's not like like there's there's not a finite number so you know the same and at the end of the at the end of the day they at the end of the day a label's got to put some money behind it whether it's marketing or if they're pressing vinyl or or if they're actually paying for a recording or anything like that and yeah labels want you know believe it or not they have to make their money back to state they're a business you know and and whether they're in it for the right reasons or not, like they can have all the best intentions and want to be bringing like great bands to the masses, but they can't lose money or they won't be able to put out more records later. So I think, I don't know. I just think it's weird. I, I just think people need to realize with bands trading shows that um, on that aspect that like, you're not going to build your local scene as quickly by just the local scene. So like, yeah. for example, when, where we're from, from Dayton, Ohio, early on, uh, we realized if we started, you know, putting stuff up on like Book Your Own Fucking Life or things like that and getting bands to come through that like, or just putting, or putting the word out to other bands would come through and tell them, tell your friends to contact us, we'll do a show. Then you're bringing like in, I guess, more quality stuff from out of town. Um, and the shows become more of a thing, you know? Um Yeah that grows and then people get more excited about the local bands because they're seeing you on this bigger show, even though it's still at the hall, but you're bringing in like something different that they haven't seen before. Like we, like in town, people were bringing through, uh, like breaking Pangea used to come through a bunch would ended up, ended up being Fred who went on to be in taking back Sunday his band. Um, and they crushed it here. They started drawing like to this day, Fred will talk about Dayton is like, it was like, their biggest draw when they were doing breaking Pangea and they came through and then they brought Coheed through. Um, there's oh, a nice, yeah. And there was and all these bands were coming through right before they were massive, but they were still so good back then. And, uh, then it just became this hotbed of, of where to see cool, cool shows like in the, in the kind of pop punk, punk pop emo world. And, uh, um, and I think that directly kind of helped all of our bands grow because we were involved in that here, you know? So, and I don't think it would have been the same if it was just the local scene. So I don't know. I just think people need to get over it and uh, try to expand and, and be friendly <laughs> and make friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like, I don't know. I almost feel like there's like a little bit of like revenge of the nerds aspect to it. Like a lot of people in bands are like social outcasts that end up finding their social circle in music, but then they mm -hmm. end up, hoarding it 
And now that they found something, an area where they're popular or something like that, they start doing the same sort of gatekeeping behavior that used to be used against them. And yeah. I, I, I just think that there's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me, to be honest. Like, I, I just, I think, like I said, there's, there's not a finite number. Like everybody can <laughs> enjoy it. Like um, some success, you know, like so one band's success doesn't, diminish your own and it doesn't decrease the likelihood that you'll achieve it so it just yeah but yeah i think they they just get people just get competitive and it's easy to get caught up in it and i don't know i just think uh i mean i guess tying it back into the best advice i could give to a young band is most of the bands that i have seen that have went on to become successful were the bands that were hanging out and making a lot of friends and uh and willing to help their friends out and therefore their friends were helping them and they all went on to success, you know, and it helped that they were all really talented. Right. But, um, but you know, they weren't the bands that were being super competitive, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm curious too, um, to go back to kind of the story changes and sort of, um, talking about, you know, your longevity and things like that. So I'm curious, Obviously, you change as an individual, and you know there's a couple of questions buried in this. But I'm curious, like, first of all, like, kind of how I'll just ask them one at a time. So first, like, how did you, how have you changed as a band? Like, thinking about the types of things you're writing about when you first started, you know, to where you are now. I think, like, what is what has that evolution been like? I think when we first started, it was way more. Um it's way more pop pop punk uh not like not like blink or anything like in that realm it was just uh a, i guess just a little more punk rock um uh we sounded you know like way more like seaweed or something like that um it's probably the closest thing or um and it's just kind of a it's just kind of evolved as we got older and 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 uh especially like once i started playing uh, full time in Hawthorne, uh, story became an outlet to try some different things and stuff. Um, I think it's uh, with our last record and like the new singles and stuff coming out. I think uh, if anything, it's evolved in the recent years a little more aggressive. But um, but there's still stuff that's it's super poppy and uh, right along those lines. That like it's weird. We always act like we evolved and have gotten way different. But then sometimes I'll hear a new song and I'm like. I could totally hear this on our first record. So, <laughs> right, right. you know, um, we've all kind of got our thing and with how, you know, every, I think every musician, every musician's kind of got their thing that, that uh, can evolve and change, but there's always something about it that makes it you. And I feel like for, for me, that's a big part of the writing and story changes. Like it always kind of sounds like us to a degree. Um, and and lyric, right. lyrically, lyrically, it's always kind of been all over the place depending on, um, know what's been going on in my life when each particular record was written but um i'd like to think it's evolved a little in, in a positive way but uh i don't know it's hard to say you know? yeah 
So that kind of ties into my next question, though, because so first of all, I'm not sure, and you can let me know through the course of how you answer it, but I, I'm not sure exactly where Hawthorne Heights was at when you joined them, but I'm curious because Hawthorne Heights had such, like Silence in Black and White was like on MTV, and you know, it had like, and they, you know, by no intent of their own became a band that was known so much for like that early stuff. And it's the type of thing where it's those songs like Ohio's for lovers, Nikki FM, those are, those are going to follow you guys throughout your career. Just as like, as any band that achieves success, like that's almost like a good problem to have. But I'm curious, like with the way that band has evolved, how does it, I mean, does it still feel the same? Like, does it, is it feel good to play those songs or do you wish that you could play more new stuff or is it, I'm just curious, like, what's your, what's your guys' relationship with those songs that, you know, the fans maybe cling to, but maybe, does it ever feel like it's like a sense of obligation to play that stuff, or is it still the same, or just kind of like, what is your relationship with the older stuff now that you guys have been playing in a band for so long, and naturally you're going to evolve and maybe want to play the newer stuff more? Um, That's a good question. I mean, like, we, for us, it's always fun playing old stuff still because of, uh, you know, we're the show as a whole is you you know you're connected to this reaction with the audience and uh try to we try to focus on when we play new songs on new songs that are a little more energetic and fit the set um as a whole typically with our set we we try to keep it pretty ramped up and play more of the energetic stuff um but the old songs are still fun uh you know it's great and and it's you know for for me and poppy the two guys in the band now that weren't in the band during the first record, you know, like uh, we play the songs. It's still cool for us because, you know, we were, we were tight and friends with friends with the band when they were doing that, you know, like the story changes actually played the album release party for the silence of black and white at that Knights of Columbus hall. So uh, in our hometown. So, and they, they took us on uh, and it, this kind of harks back to what we're talking about with bands should be more friendly and, and try to help each other rather than, competitive like when hawthorne first started blowing up story changes was really the only other band like one of the other bands from dayton that was like touring quite a bit and trying to get out there and do it so when hawthorne took off um you know this first few years every chance they got they were hooking us up with like taking us out of town for shows and like little short runs and stuff um it was really helpful for our band early on um and then even in even in like later like not not so much way later, but like a little later when they uh, they recorded a record um, that I loved. It was a big reason why I was really stoked on playing with the band. They recorded this record with Howard Benson called Skeletons, um, and uh, loved it. It was a record they did for Wind Up, and I got to do some backing vocals on that. And we reconnected after that, and shortly after they they brought the story changes out on that tour for that. And uh, it was great. It was so cool of them. Like at that point, they didn't, they didn't know anybody, any favors, you know, they just, um, they took us out and it was, it was a, a big tour for us. Um, and uh, I started playing guitar with them. The following tours after that, we were just all tight, you know, and it just seemed to work. And um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the, uh, it's kind of tying all the previous questions in, but to to answer your question on this aspect, like it's, 
I think it's because the two of us that weren't on those older songs, because we have such a long history with the band and we were always proud of everything those guys got to do from that. Um, yeah. Um, it's never, it's never weird. And because we've been playing them for so long now, like, I mean, I've been with the band 11 years now, so I've been with it longer than they were a band before that, you know, like by a lot. So, right. Um, right. It's just, it's just never weird. I mean, we get excited about new music. We, at this point though, with all the records and the EPs and everything, like it's always going to be like six to seven songs off the first couple records that we have to play. Right. So right. De- de- depending on our set, like there's, you can't play like a song from every other record after that. So, we always try to throw in stuff off the newest record, the the kind of staples that we have to play, and then some songs from, you know, some like some like other other new newish records, but not the new one. Um, and it just gets tough. Like when we do, um, obviously, Warp Tour is not a thing anymore. But the hardest thing for us was when we were doing, or, you know, you're only getting a half hour. Uh, right. everybody gets a half hour and we, so we'd be like, okay, if we don't stop, we're going to do like eight songs, seven songs maybe. Um, and when you feel like you got to play the staples, you don't want to bum people out, but you're playing new songs too. So that's, it's only hard when we got to do like super short sets. Yeah. Um, Cause we're not afraid on our own shows to do long, long sets. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I will say we're, we're really proud of, um, last couple records. Uh, particularly bad frequencies and right after bad frequencies that was our last proper new full length and then we released a collection of um extra songs and kind of rare stuff called lost frequencies and that had like one new single on the front that's this uh hard to breathe that's been doing really well and um it's nice to see songs from that full length and then the couple singles from the new collection like uh uh, doing really well like particularly with like streaming numbers and stuff like they're always cracking the top stuff like they're hanging with the old songs um oh, which is cool. something which is something you don't expect as an artist that's you know band that's been going this long that had success on your early stuff like you said you're always just kind of in that mode where you know because the nostalgia thing and those first two records are so good yeah um, that those numbers right you know those those numbers are always going to be there on this song so it's nice to uh good feeling that we're starting to um no, we, we've always had the fan support on the stuff, but some the last record in particular, and Pure Noise has been a big part of this to help us kind of reach reach our fans. Um, yeah, those last couple records have really uh, branched out, and it's nice to see uh, those numbers growing and being like, "Oh wow, it's hanging with that stuff." So it's cool. I'll still like from time to time revisit Bad Frequencies, and especially also the three EP series. And yeah. just like all of that stuff is so fucking good. Like, sorry for sounding like a fanboy, but it's just like, man, it's just a big breadth of quality in the work there. Thank you. Yeah, I, I particularly have always been bummed that uh, when we released the Hurt EP, uh, we immediately were do had like an anniversary tour booked, and where we were doing some. Uh, celebrating i think it was the silence tenure and uh we just didn't get a lot of time to promote her and we knew going into it but we really wanted to get it out so we could finish the ep trilogy but i i feel like there's some of our best songs are on the hurt ep and we never really got to tour on it 
but we still squeeze some of the songs in the set. I would imagine it would be kind of cool too, like since you have been around so long and since you did achieve success so early, like just seeing your fans kind of grow with the band. Like I'm sure there's fans that have like gone to like the first show that like still come out and you're like, wow, you're, (laughs) you're not a teenager anymore. It's like now your fans are like getting babysitters and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's I, I, it's got to be we, weird, or, I mean, like in a cool way. I did I did an episode with uh, Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids for his his podcast. He did, uh, and this was a few years ago. But he he always he told me on that that the Get Up Kids were becoming a sitter band, <laughs> uh, and I and I laughed. And he was like, he's like, you laugh now, young man. But uh, this was a few <laughs> years ago. But he's like, but he's like, you guys are getting to that point where you're going to be a sitter band too. And I uh, recently on some of the tours we've done recently, I would definitely consider us a, a sitter band uh, in the best way. It's so awesome to see people that are just like planning their one night out that month or whatever it's going to be that they're just going to go out and have a great time and uh, and throw it back, you know, and watch some yeah. bands I grew up on. We we just did uh, last well, not last year. Last year was a was was a no go year for everyone, but the year before uh, we did a bunch of uh 15 year anniversary touring for the silence on black and white. And we did it with Emery who are some of our old friends. Oh, that, uh, I love Emery. And they did. Yeah, they're great. And they did, it was their 15 anniversary for the week's end. So we both played, we both played our first record start to finish. Um, and it was definitely a sitter band tour. There were tons of people coming out that were just like, I don't get to go out anymore, but I'm coming out for this. And it was so much fun. Um, to see that along with like young, young people coming out and, and fans of all ages. So it was cool. Yeah. So, um, we're gonna, we're about to wrap up here in a, in a minute, but cool. like, but I wanted to, uh, just ask, cause I, I usually like to close on something like this and uh, like whenever a band has been on tour, especially you, you've been on a lot of tours. If I just usually ask if, if anything crazy has ever, I mean, everyone has something different that stands out to them, but like different bands have had different crazy things like happen on tour where you just like, maybe if it, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's not a good thing. Maybe it's a type of situation where you're like, how the hell are we going to get out of this or like a horror story? But I'm just curious, like, if there's anything come to mind when I bring up like tour horror stories or like just crazy things that you wouldn't expect to happen? Um, let's see here. One time, Early on in the Story Changes tour, uh, we our van broke down majorly twice. Uh, the the first time was involved a lot of repairs, and we rented a vehicle and stayed on the tour. We we're on tour with this band called the Slackers. It's an awesome kind of like reggae band that's on Hellcat Epitaph. But long story short, it was a lot of reworking to get back to the van, get it fixed, finish the tour, and then the last day of the tour, the the van dropped its transmission just outside of LA. So we finished the tour and then had to, uh, in a vehicle to get home. It was awful. Um, yeah, I think, I think we're not going to be able to follow that one. So I think we'll just, <laughs> we'll wrap it up. But, I, but before yeah, I just want to let you, uh, first of all, really, really appreciate you coming on, dude. Um, you know, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. We're, we're a podcast. That's like, we completely DIY. We started a little over a year ago and we started with just local bands, just like just from the mid like the midwest or may like 
metro detroit michigan area so slowly oh, cool. we've been getting bigger and bigger bands and so like listening to hawthorne heights in high school it, it's, it's it's a cool moment for us so i really appreciate your time and um i just want to let you uh plug um the story changes stuff let people know where they can find the music and find your guys social media and all that yeah, check out our new single, The Longest Year. It's streaming now on Spotify and Apple Music and all the spots. Um, if you just go to the thestorychanges.com, there's all the direct links to hit it and check it out. Um, if you're a fan of our other bands, I think you'll enjoy it as well. And uh, yeah, just follow us on our socials and hit us up. And uh, hopefully when the uh, world gets back to a little normal, we can see you guys at a show soon. You guys aren't too far, so hopefully we'll yep. be up that way again soon. We got a lot That's of love, good, dude, for that. Oh yeah, hell yeah, and um, we will let you know. Uh, obviously, like when this is going to be out. There's usually maybe like a two or th- one to two to three week turnaround time on getting episodes out. So once this is out, uh, we will definitely let you know. Cool, sounds great. Keep us posted. We'll be sure to share it. For sure. Hell yeah. All right, dude. There you have it. That was Mark McMillan of the Story Changes in Hawthorne Heights. Thank you for listening to another episode. Um, check out our sponsor, Two Foot Parade Records, at twofootparade.com. Follow us on Instagram, invite the neighbors pod, and Twitter at ITN pod. And um, follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. Other than that, share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Share it with friends. Give us a review on iTunes. That really helps. Um, Shoot us a DM on Instagram if you want to suggest a guest or any edits or, I mean, suggestions for the podcast or whatever. And that is it. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.